Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, my finest friends. Welcome to the seventh episode of season seven of the Tom Petty Project podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Brown. This is the weekly podcast that digs into the entire Tom Petty catalogue, song by song, album by album, and includes conversations with musicians, fans, and people connected with Tom along the way. Before we start today's episode, uh, a couple of shout outs again to the folks on social media. Um, over on Facebook, Mark Lindsay says, I think the Let Me Up I've Had Enough album experience at the Dylan process of songwriting made Mike and Tom better writers overall and subsequent albums. It was a new spontaneous process that was more experimental, relaxed, and not studio driven. I love when they just cut into a groove and the song starts. And as I commented back to Mark, uh, this is something that Michael Washburn brings up in his Southern Accents book. Um, Southern Accents and Let Me Up are objectively, I would argue, not strong records, but were very important in giving Tom a different set of tools to work with at a time uh, when he was feeling creatively unfulfilled. I also agree with Mark that these tools would later become more fully developed. If you look at the similarly conceived Mojo, but listen to the difference in both song quality and in production quality, it's night and day from this album. Donna Anderson says, I don't care what TP and the Heartbreakers play, I love everything they do. Love me some Tom Petty. And hey Donna, that's why we're all here. Even the songs I've rated lower in the catalogue, I don't skip when I'm spinning an album, and I can always find something positive to say about pretty much any track. Uh, my pal Paul Roberts also recognises that the idea for the production model for this album was born out of their time on the road with Dylan, and he says, from reading the Zane's biog, out on the album tour for, for this album, uh, Tom realised he needed to shake things up due to band politics, personal issues, and the album not being as well received as he hoped. So all those factors led to another hard right turn and the fortuitous meeting of minds with Jeff Lynne. Paul also mentions that he's looking forward to me digging into the period between Let Me Up and Full Moon Fever. Whatever could he mean? Uh, thanks as always for the social media chats, folks. Keep them coming. Um, you keep posting, I'll keep reading them out. Um, today's episode, though, is the second song from side two of Let Me Up, I've Had Enough, all mixed up. All Mixed Up, as far as records show, was never played live. This is a common theme on side two of this record with Think About Me and How Many More Days, the only songs to see the light of day on stage, and only for a combined 38 times. I'll have to run the stats, but my guess is that this is the least played side of any Heartbreakers record. Possibly Hypnotic Eye may be an exception to that, just because it wasn't in the live rotation for very long, but I'll run some numbers sometime and I'll see what they look like. In Conversations with Tom Petty, author Paul Zolo comments that this one starts with hand claps and singing and Tom responds that it's just another light-hearted song that was written with Mike Campbell. Once the hand claps and singing, which are heavily affected initially, are over, after about 18 seconds, we get a heavily 80-sounding synth lead from Ben Montenge, over top of a steady, chugging guitar pattern. The song's in A-flat, so I'm going to guess that the guitars were drop-tuned a step, rather than actually played in that key. And for you non-guitar nerds, drop-tuning is when you tune all the strings, either a half or sometimes even a full step down, to get a lower tone more naturally. And if that's the case, then the song would actually have been played in B, but with that half step down, then we get it in A flat. Or G sharp, depending on what your preference is. There's nothing hugely noteworthy about the arrangement at this point, with Stan Lynch just laying down a lazy backbeat with a single kick on the ones and a double kick on the threes. Howie Epstein is walking along a very steady road on bass and not stepping up or down off the root notes through this initial progression. And the only thing to really note is that the bass is actually panned over slightly right and the guitar is slightly left which is fairly atypical for the Heartbreakers, who almost always leave the entire rhythm section mixed pretty centrally. This initial chord progression leads straight into the chorus which follows this, this same pattern. And like Think About Me last week, there's not a ton to these lyrics. 
They're very simple and very direct. I'm all mixed up about you. Another track that maybe suggests that Tom was in, you know, that rocky period in his first marriage, and some of those ideas were leaking through into his lyrics. But they're not fully developed or explored as they later would be on, you know, albums like She's the One or An Echo. So almost as if they were a little sort of scary to contemplate. Um, and so we're left very vague to keep some separation from them. The lines, it's having an effect on me, pulling and directing me, actually remind me a lot of something George Harrison would have written. And the way Tom delivers those lines has a very sort of Harrison-esque gentleness to it. Obviously, the two men hadn't become firm friends and collaborators yet, but with the obvious influence of Harrison and all the Beatles uh, as musicians on Tom and the band, it's a, quite a nice coincidence that Tom would write something that could have been a Harrison tune on the album before the Wilburys would eventually happen. And so this chorus progression is a very simple two chord, A flat, D flat. And as we go into the verse, we switch to the minor sixth, then back down to the root, the fourth, the fifth, and repeat. So coming out of that first verse, it feels like a million other songs, right? There's no movement in this first section, with the synth horn just being a little bit more subdued, but everything else being sonically very, very similar. There is a, a nice little hitch step double kick, followed by a two beat on the snare to lead back into the chorus, but again, there's no dynamics here to really get the song moving from one section to the next. As with the first chorus, though, we are getting a nice high falsetto harmony from Howie in this, in this B section, and melodically, it's a very peaceful, gentle groove. Tom's vocals are restrained to the point of actually trailing off at the end of certain lines, so that you can't even hear him end certain words. And that's not something you usually hear from the Heartbreakers. The bridge shifts us to the minor fourth, but the rhythm section and guitars are just very much more of the same. This brings us back to the... And I'm not going to talk too long about this, because, again, it's, it's very, very simple. Um, but it brings us back into the chorus with Benmont leading with the synth again, but adding what sounds like some organ licks in underneath. I just wish they were a bit more prominent so that you could hear them more fully. And I'll comment on the production later in the episode. In the second verse, though, we do get a slight dynamic change, with the beat dropping to halftime and the organ being a little more prevalent, and the guitars also dropping out. But this change feels almost like an afterthought or a case of, well, we really should do something sonically different somewhere at some point, and so it just feels to me a little bit tacked on. We do get a little more organ from Benmont in the, into this last chorus, and then we get, you know, for the outro and the, the chorus fade out, we get the ooze from Tom and Howie. All right, folks, it's time for some petty trivia. Your question from last week was this. Of the seven Fillmore tracks that were included in the live anthology release, which was the only one not to have been included on last year's Live at the Fillmore box set? Was it Jamming Me, Goldfinger, Friend of the Devil, or Green Onions? The answer is, drum roll. It was a trick question. All seven of the songs recorded at the Fillmore that were included on the live anthology made it onto the Fillmore box set. And the box set contains 36 cover songs, of which six were on the live anthology record, with Jamming Me being the only original Petty song featured on the earlier compilation. And the 1300 capacity Fillmore is well known for its psychedelic concert posters by artists who, in the 1960s, included Wes Wilson and Rick Griffin. Copies of the night's posters were given to fans, and still are sometimes, um, at certain select uh, sold-out shows free of charge. Posters from the Heartbreakers Fillmore run regularly trade hands for upwards of $250 US and are some of the most sought-after items in the collection. Your question for this week should be a fairly easy one. In 2002, who inducted Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Was it A, Danny Harrison, B, Eddie Vedder, C, Jacob Dylan, or D, Jeff Lynne? 
Okay, back to the song. I think this one falls into the production trap that I've covered on this album before. Um, when you listen to the guitars, especially in the verse section, you can't hear them very clearly, and how his bass is also quite muddy, in stark contrast to how good it sounded on Think About Me. It all sounds just a bit undercooked and missing that sort of that little bit of heartbreaker spark. I think the chorus melody is lovely. I think the guitars and bass do work. I don't love Stan's drum sound on this one, especially the snare, which, you know, it doesn't have any crack or pop to it. Just kind of sounds like he's hitting a cardboard box. And it's all a bit, it's just a bit jumbled and a little bit tepid for a band that could rock so hard when they took the brakes off. I do like Tom's delivery in places, but again, I don't think his vocal is captured brilliantly in other places. Um, it doesn't surprise me a ton that this one was left off the live set list because you can't see it really getting people's feet moving. The lyrics are also just, they're, you know, they're okay, but they're just a little bit underwhelming in this one. There is, though, you know, one nice brief moment of humour in that last verse that would almost offer a little glimpse of where Tom would end up on The Last DJ, as he sardonically sings, If time will answer all questions, then perhaps a film will be shown. Everyone could mail order tickets. Yeah, you could sell a lot of t-shirts for The Last Picture Show. So there's a blending of commercialism and critique of it that sits at slight odds with the tone of the rest of the song, but it's nonetheless a little bit of light fun at the end of the track. Okay, Pettyheads, that's it for this week. So this is essentially an R&B song that would have benefited so much from a full real horn section. And while I've said previously that I don't love horns and Tom Petty, for whatever reason, it just doesn't jive for me, I think that the synth in this track, it pulls it down and makes it sound really, really dated. I also think this could really have worked as a song that would uh, could have been given to another artist, and I could absolutely hear someone like Cindy Lauper doing it. Or maybe if Ben Mont had played an organ and piano combo of some type, it might sit a little bit better in my ears. Is it a bad song? No. It's not weak in the same way that Mary's new car is, and it's not unfinished in the same sense that I find Restless to be. But it falls roughly into the same sort of space that The Damage You've Done does. You know, it could have been better. But as it is, it's just okay. It's okay. So I'm going to give All Mixed Up an okay 5 out of 10. Please remember that you can continue to support humanitarian efforts in Ukraine in many different ways, and I would urge you to do so, please, if you have the means. There is a link to the Red Cross donation page in the episode notes, and I'll keep leaving that there as long as we need to. The Tom Petty Project is a proud member of the Deep Dive Podcast Network, so go check them out on Twitter at Deep Dive Podnet. Um, I actually completed my Corey Morissette hat trick this week as I appeared as a guest on Backtracks Theme Music, which is th one of the three um, podcasts that Corey hosts. The other two I've already been on. Uh, so I'll post a link to that one when it's out. I'm talking about a song from the movie, Some Kind of Wonderful. You can also check out my other podcast, Seaside Pod Review, a Queen podcast on the same Deep Dive Podcast Network. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Tom Petty Project, uh, and on Twitter at Tom Petty Project. Go follow, like, subscribe as applicable, and again, please leave a review or a rating. Also, keep talking to me on social media, and I will read out as many of your comments as I can during the episodes. Don't forget that The Tom Petty Project is not affiliated with The Tom Petty Estate in any way, and when you're looking for Tom's music, please visit the official YouTube channel first to try to find what you're looking for, and go to TomPetty.com for official merchandise. Don't forget to check out The Tom Petty Nation and Tom Petty Fans Forever groups on Facebook, they are wonderful communities and well worth spending some of your time. Until we meet again next week, keep listening to and sharing Tom's music. Try to be kind. Try to say I love you to someone at least once a day. Stay safe and healthy. And I'll be back with you next week to talk about the third track from the second side of Let Me Up, I've Had Enough, A Self-Made Man. Bye-bye.